I want you to do something so important. Find your Bible. Maybe it's on your phone or grab your Bible. You need to put the living Word of God right in front of you. Go over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. It's not very far away from the book of Revelation. We're going to start in chapter 1, verse 3, because here's the goal. We want to make every day Easter. And frankly, every day should be Easter, because Jesus is the risen, reigning, redeeming, soon returning King of kings and Lord of lords. Make every day Easter. That's the goal. So, you can print out this sheet and it may help you to capture some of these truths as we travel through them. But let me ask you at the outset, are you a joyful person? Do you overflow with God's hope and enthusiasm? I heard about a fellow who went up to the hostess at a restaurant, and he said, ma'am, do you serve crabs here? She said, yes, sir, we serve anybody. Go sit over in the corner, buddy. Now, maybe you resemble that comment. I'm not sure. Or perhaps it's a little bit like the newlywed wife. She was asked by a reporter, do you wake up grumpy in the morning? She said, no, I let him sleep. (laughs) Well, friends, you may be traveling through this old world, crabby and grumpy and joyless, pulling everybody down, feeling defeated, sullen, sad. There's a better way. There's the Jesus way of living hope. You see, we are resurrection people. When you see the sun rise in the morning, you should invite the Son of God to arise in your heart, in spirit, your relationships, in your attitudes, in your reactions. Let the light of Jesus dominate who you are and what you do. Well, that brings me to a question. You want to fill it, fill in this blank. You see, to rejoice is a choice. So, do you make that choice to rejoice? Is that something you consistently do? I've discovered that rejoicing is not linked to my feelings. It is linked to my faith. It's linked to that core belief that I am convinced that my Savior Jesus, His power is bigger than my problems. Greater is He who is in me than he who is in the world. I believe it with every fiber of my being. Consequently, I've made a choice to rejoice. That's what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. In other words, regardless of the season, the circumstance, or the situation, rejoice in the Lord. It's actually an imperative. That means it's a command. It's a calling of God to be a person that overflows with joy because we're everyday Easter people. We're resurrection people. So, I want you to do that, and I want you to say with me, okay, Lord, this may not be easy, but I'm going to make the choice to rejoice. Not based on my feelings or my circumstances, but based on my faith and trust in you. I will make that choice. Some of you are saying, well, time out. Time out, Jay. I mean, we've got this COVID-19. It's turning the world upside down. I'm out of work. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay the bills. Uh, My children are at home. Times are tough. Uh, The dog bit me. My goldfish died. I mean, everything's going wrong in the world. I don't know what all you're dealing with, and you don't know what I'm dealing with, but I'm telling you, 
It is a choice to rejoice. And let me give you some reasons. Because you may be thinking in your heart of hearts, Pastor Jay, just give me one good reason why I should be rejoicing. Well, I'm going to give you five. But actually, they come from the heart of God through the pen of Peter. Let's begin here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Let's pray. Father, we have been distressed by various trials. This has been a tough time. The coronavirus has rocked our world. It's flipped everything upside down. So many have been hurt. Thousands have died. There are a lot of people filled right now with fear and anxiety, uncertainty about their future. So right now, I pray that your spirit would permeate these moments. I pray that you would touch every heart with your transforming truth. Lord, get me out of the way so that we could make Easter every day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, here's what I want us to do. Let's look at more resurrection reasons to rejoice. I've identified five of them right here because I don't want to turn loose of Easter. And I'm going to suggest that you should never turn loose of Easter, but instead make Easter every day because, look at number one, because God has given you a new birth. That's what it says here in verse three, bless be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again. We have a new birth. Now, what does it mean to be born again? Certainly as a believer, you've heard that term. It naturally leads back to John chapter 3. Look what it says in John 3. Jesus is talking with a religious man who had no relationship to God. His name was Nicodemus, and Jesus said, unless a man is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Flesh gives birth to flesh, and Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Now, this is a picture, frankly, of starting over, spiritually starting over, being forgiven, having the slate wiped clean, and becoming part of of the family of God. I heard about a little boy, and uh, he wasn't a very good student. He had just started third grade, and after the first six weeks, he was bringing home his report card. And do you know what he had on his report card? He had a consistent set of D's, D minus, as a matter of fact. And as he was walking home, he thought to himself, I don't want to show this terrible report card to my mom and dad. Well, on the way home, he was passing a little shop. It was a card shop. 
So he decided to pop into the shop. He had saved his lunch money, and he went up to the lady at the counter, and he said, ma'am, I know you have all kind of cards here. Do you sell new report cards? (laughs) Well, I'm sure that you have had that feeling somewhere maybe recently in your life, where you wanted a new report card, you wanted to start over. That's what God gives you in being born again. He wipes away your past. His mercy is bigger than your mistakes. I had a friend named Mike. He started coming to church, and we got to be friends. He told me a story. He was a very bright guy, an attorney. He went to an Ivy League school, made tremendous grades, a phenomenally articulate He was in his early 40s, and he had made so many relational mistakes. It just seems like his relational world was like somebody who was trying to start a skunk farm in his backyard. I mean, his relationships stunk. And he began to lay it all out. And I said, man, there's a better way. But you know where you begin? You begin with your relationship with God. That's what Jesus said. Seek first the kingdom of God. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And these other things will begin to take care of themselves. And so Mike and I went over the simple plan of salvation. And he gave his life to Jesus. And he began that process of metamorphosizing. He became a new creation in Christ. And he started to change. A lot of the stinky stuff began to peel off. And Mike got a hunger for God's Word. And as the Word of God began to flow into his spirit, a lot of the trash and the pollution began to flow out. Friends, you have that same opportunity. God is calling you to be born again. That's what happened to this fellow Nicodemus. Oh, he understood about dead religion, but Jesus called him to have a living love relationship with the God who created him and the Savior who would die for him. Do you have that kind of relationship? Do you know that if something happened to you, if you got coronavirus and you died, would you go to heaven or hell? You see, it all hinges on what you do with Jesus. Jesus said it like this, you must be born again. And when you're born again, you have a new birth. Let me give you another reason for resurrection hope. We have a, a living hope. That's why you should be an Easter person. You have a living hope. Jesus is alive. Look what it says here in verse 3. We have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus defeated death. He broke its backbone. He erupted out of that tomb on Easter morning. And when He resides in you, He transfers His living hope into your spirit, into your relationships, into all of your activities. It recolors you. I would have you understand this. The Scripture tells us in Colossians 1.27, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of His mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It was Henry David Thoreau who said as he lived beside Walden Pond, most people live lives of quiet desperation. I believe it's because they sense they are headed toward a hopeless end. But when you come to know Jesus, you're traveling toward an endless hope, and that makes all the difference in the world. Here's the world's version of hope. I hope I passed that test. 
I hope I get the job. I hope I don't get coronavirus. You see, there's a a different type of hope when you have Jesus. Uh, Let me form an acrostic. When you have Jesus and his resurrection hope abiding in you, it means hope having only positive expectations based on who Jesus is and what he's doing in your life. Did you get it? What is hope? Having only positive expectations because the living Jesus now lives in you, my precious friend. And you're not headed toward a hopeless end. You're headed toward endless hope. I heard a fun story about how Jesus recolors the life of people. I heard about this little guy who was eight or ten years old, and he was a baseball enthusiast, but he was enthusiastic about all of life. He was a little Christian fella, and he decided that one day he was going to go out because nobody was around. He was living in quarantine, and he would play baseball. So he took his ball and his bat, he put on his cap, and he decided he would just pitch to himself since nobody was around. So he said, I am the greatest hitter on the planet. And he threw the ball high up into the air, and he took a mighty swing, and he missed it. He said, I'm the greatest hitter on the planet. He threw the ball up twice more, and both times he missed it. And then suddenly it dawned on him. He said, in reality, I'm the greatest pitcher on the planet. Now, I like that attitude. Flip it around. You know, some people have struck out so many times, they feel like they're a loser. They feel hopeless. No, not when you're anchored to Jesus. You know what the Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 6? That when you know Jesus, He becomes the anchor of your soul, and He gives you hope that you can count on, an endless hope that will never let you down, as you have only positive expectations based on who He is and what He's doing in your life. Let's go to number three. Here's the third reason to have resurrection living hope. We have an inheritance. Look at verse 4. We obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled. It will not fade away, and it is reserved for you in heaven. Nobody can rip it from you. You can't get cheated out of your inheritance. That's a tremendous reason to rejoice. See Colossians 1.12. It's there on your worksheet, but it says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Now, this is an enormous reason to rejoice because you have this measureless, eternal inheritance that can never be diminished and it can never be stolen. It is forever secure. Not long ago, I was talking to a guy He was telling me a curious story. He said he was an only child, and his father and mother um, apparently seemed to be quite wealthy. They had uh, a lake house. They had beautiful automobiles. They had a nice home. What he didn't know is they had an extravagant lifestyle that generated tremendous debts. They both died within weeks of each other, and he was the person who administrated their estate. He told me with a sense of great sadness and shock that when he added it all up and subtracted their debts from their credits, 
that it was almost a zero. As a matter of fact, he made the outlandish statement that when he added it all up, his total inheritance from his mom and dad turned out to be just enough to take his family and a couple of friends to Red Lobster for supper. (laughs) Well, it wasn't exactly the inheritance on earth that he was anticipating. What about you? Maybe you're counting on inheritance. Not everybody's going to be a Walton or a Rockefeller. Let me tell you about an inheritance that you can totally count on, that you can be assured of. It is your eternal inheritance in the Lord. You see, Jesus described it in Matthew chapter 6. He tells us that when we have an inheritance in heaven, that thief will not steal it, it won't be destroyed by moth or rust. If you want to fully understand what you're headed for, then go to John chapter 14 and hear Jesus say that He is going to build a mansion for you in heaven. Go to Revelation chapter 21 and understand that you have an inheritance and you're going to be in God's unbroken light and love for eternity. It will be spectacular beyond your wildest dreams or imagination. Well, come with me to number four, the fourth resurrection reason that gives us living hope is we are shielded by God's power. Make that note, we're shielded by God's power. As a matter of fact, the Scripture says here in verse 5, your version may say protected, but the word is a fascinating Greek word. It's called vorureo, vorureo. And it literally is a military term that pictures these big Roman shields that have the capacity to be hooked together. Now, when you hook these together, uh, it's hooked together to protect the leaders and to protect each other. I, I guess in the cowboy movies, it was circling the wagons when the Indians attacked. But this is a picture of how God protects and shields His children. That's very comforting right now because we all feel rather anxious, rather vulnerable. And yet the Bible says that God holds us in the palms of His nail-scarred hands. God loves you, my friend. He is going to take care of you. You see, the Bible says that if God is for you, who can be against you? Stand firm. Don't give up. Look up. Trust the Lord in these hard days to protect you. The Scripture that I love is in John chapter 10, verse 29. Over the years, I've talked to a lot of people who don't feel secure in God's hand. They feel like maybe they've disappointed the Lord or their mistake is bigger than His mercy. Don't believe that. It's a lie from hell. Listen to the great truth of God. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. There is not a demon in hell that can take you out of the hand of God. He has got you gripped. So you trust His grip. Trust His protection. When I think of that verse, I I think of a trip that we took long ago out west. Uh, It was over 20 years ago. I, I know it looks like it was just a few weeks ago. We haven't changed that much. Well, we actually have, but there's my little Alex. She's the caboose. Jason is 10 years older than Alex. Then there's Sarah and Mary Austin. Uh, Alex was in that picture six. Jason was 16. 
And we were out west on this magnificent trip. We'd gone to the Grand Canyon, and we were traveling on these trails that had some falls that would have been hundreds of feet below. Now, Alex was a free spirit, so my job was to hold on to Alex. And I can guarantee you, I didn't just trust her hand to mine. I ran my hand down to her forearm as we walked on those slippery, steep trails because I love my Alex with my whole heart, and I would not let anything happen to my girl. And I want you to get that picture fixed in your mind, God holding you with His trustworthy, unbreakable grip now and forever. Nothing can take you out of His hand. Then lastly, let's go to the fifth great truth that I see here. Suffering is temporary. Suffering is temporary, my friends. Did you see it in verse 6? It's going to be just for a little while. For a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. I think that describes everybody right now. The COVID-19 virus is in 208 countries. Thousands and tens of thousands have died, and more will perish. That's why it's so important to know that this suffering is temporary. This is not the new normal. It's just the new now. It's for a season. We're going to get to the other side of this tribulation. The Bible talks in Psalm 23 about traveling through the valley, not parking in the valley. God is not calling you to reside here but He is calling you to find treasure in this tribulation. It's a season, and God has purpose for our pain. As a matter of fact, I would describe it like this. In our pain, oftentimes God is at work. We see it described here in 1 Peter 5 verse 10. Listen to this, 1 Peter 5.10. Peter, he, he knew suffering, pain, persecution, He said, and the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will Himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Yes, you've got to pass through the pain, but the pain will lead you to spiritual gain if you do it right. I believe it's a picture of horticulture. We learn in John 15 that God prunes his plants. Uh, I'm not a great gardener, but I do have a beautiful knockout rose bush right in the front of our house. And this year, I decided to get up my pruning shears, and about two months ago, I severely pruned back this bush. And yet, I've never seen it more beautiful now. You see, that pruning was painful, but it's made it very fruitful. That's how God works in our life. You see, He cuts things away that don't look like Jesus. And a lot of times the pain would be like a pruning shear. And we deal with what is painful so that in Christ we can be fruitful. Oh, my friend, do what the Scripture says here. Make your pain His gain. And in the process, stand firm and be steadfast in this trial and tribulation. We'll soon be on the other side. Would you pray with me? Dear Father, precious Lord, thank You. Oh, thank You for Your hope-filled Word. And I pray that right now, 
we would receive these resurrection blessings. We would become people who make Easter every day. Right now, Father, You've given us a set of sacred promises, and they cause our heart to fill with rejoicing. Thank You, Lord, that we can live each day in the light of an empty tomb. We can have only positive expectations because of who You are and what You've done. Father, I ask that You would guide us even now to respond to You with immediate obedience, with trust and with faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray for Your help. Amen.